All right, everyone, welcome back to Telecom Radio One. Today, we've got John Wadsworth with us on the phone. A lot of cool stories. Um, John, I'm very happy to have you on here. You are the manager of IT, manager of information technology at Becker's Group. Why don't you just uh, introduce yourself, man, give us a little bit of your background, and then uh, you know we can go from there. Sure thing. It's great to be here, Phil. I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, I've been uh, been working with Becker's for about 10 years now. Uh, part of that time has been as a consultant, but then uh, I'm, I'm full-time now, so this is cool. Um, my background is a, a lot of um, a lot of different stuff in IT. Then the uh, the lowly IT help desk sort of work for a long time, break lowly. fix stuff. Lowly, I mean, come on, lowly, here, you know. You know. That's true. <laughs> no. no, it feels go. like it feels like forever ago, but I, I, I've got a warm spot in my heart for all the all the good stuff that uh, that happens when you're doing that job. What does Becker's do? Um, just just for everyone listening, just so we know what you guys do. You yeah, know. Becker's makes paint. Uh, it's uh, it's they make paint for things like uh, going on cars and rolled steel and uh, products like that. So. So how does that work? I mean, I know you guys are based out of Berlin, so you're you're an international company. What is it like working for an international company? I'm just, you know, thinking off the top of my head, is it any different than, um, you know, IT director for a non-international company or is it a different kind of feel? Well, um, so the way Becker's works is there's like 24 sites around the world and uh, I'm IT manager at uh, the U.S. site here in Chicago. And so there's some of the sites will have a, a local IT manager and some are too small to have a guy. But um, most of my time is focused on, uh, well, 50% of my time is focused on the U.S. site. And I also participate on like the global networking team where we're making decisions for globally how things should, um, should go across the board for, for all the sites. So it's, for me, it's a fun mix where I get to do some of the lowly IT help desk sorts of things at, at my local site here. I hope yep. you can hear me laughing, and yeah. uh, and and also get to do some other you know fun projects of uh, working on the NPLS between all the sites. We've got uh, FortiGate uh, routers at all the sites, and uh, Meraki, and all kinds of different cool cool technologies at that level. So I'm the kind of guy who likes to play with a lot of different things in um, keep me busy and keep me doing different stuff. And so. Um, Maybe, maybe a lot of people in IT are that way. They, they, we like to wear a lot of hats and, and play with cool toys. Yeah, I think, uh, well, it's not that you really, I just don't think you have a choice. I think you, yeah. you have to do all those different things. I think a lot of people, a lot of IT directors, and, and forgive me for pigeonholing a bunch of people and stereotyping them, but I think a lot of IT directors have a very, almost an engineering mindset where we want to go in and we want to fix a problem. And that can be both a, a blessing and a curse at the same yeah. time yeah. Uh, because you can kind of go into that tunnel vision of fixing a problem and, and fail to see or fail to know um, all the you know, other ways that it, it could be approached or if that makes any sense. Right. And then yeah, you, absolutely. You I mean, that tunnel, tunnel vision. We like, we like playing with toys and we like um, working with the technology and because frankly, I think that's what we're good at. Um, but what the, a lot of times what the business really needs uh, is somebody to, to take a step back and say, okay, uh, what is the actual business goal that we're trying to accomplish here? Do I, you know, I've got these 24 sites around the world and you know, I could roll out all kinds of crazy weird stuff to them, but what's the goal? Oh, my goal is to have an ERP system that all the different sites can access so we can have a common accounting system and make it make life easier for our accounting people. 
um, make the raw materials uh, of the same on the same system and same code numbers and everything. So it's easier for for the people who are in the manufacturing world. Okay, well, if that's your goal, then maybe I should define my IT infrastructure around that. And uh, I only need, you know, I don't need 100 meg fiber to each of my sites around the world. I need to get something that's going to get me a Citrix session to connect to a data center somewhere that's running a common ERP across all the sites. Oh, beautiful. Um, I love that breakdown. And then, so just to kind of jump on top of that, and we're going to get to what I think is really fascinating here in a second, but um, to layer on top of that, um, did I just completely forget everything that I was about to say? I completely forgot everything. Uh, (laughs) So, um, oh, I know what it was. Uh, What about uh, when you do choose a solution? Um, For example, like you said, we we might not need a 100 meg connection just to to open up a Citrix session to, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, put numbers into your accounting system. Uh, how do you ensure, I'm just curious, because uh, this is one of the things that I do, when you, when you go to choose a vendor or anything, do you think longevity at all? Do you think, what, what's the time, what's the lifespan of this uh, company, product, vendor, et cetera? Yeah, so I, mean, I think that, that what the business has to do is say, okay, how do we want to, to continue to do business or and what, is the, what is the next, I don't know, five or 10 years look like for how we're going to try to do things. Uh, in the case of Becker's, we looked out, uh, it's more of a, more of a administrative board level sort of thing where they're looking out five to 10 years and saying, okay, what do we want this to look like? We've got these 24 sites, but, uh, they're all kind of doing their own thing now. Wouldn't it be a, a better thing for everybody if, if we could do things, uh, in a more streamlined way? And then that comes down to IT to say, okay, how can we, you know, how can you as the IT department support that and get us to where we want to be? And so then you look at vendors and you look at a vendor that's going to be able to support you uh, as you're making this, this jump. Now, that's not to say that in, in five years, um, you know, some, where the business is going to change in some way or, or something that you do need a whole lot more bandwidth. Maybe we're doing a ton more video or something that, that does uh, require a ton of bandwidth. But uh, you, you kind of make your best decision and go with it and then uh, be flexible in the long term to, to, to look at it again and revisit and say, hey, uh, we do need something different. Let's change it. But set a target and shoot at it. How do you think, how do you think just in general, obviously IT, <clears throat> you know, 12 years ago, the, the atmosphere is completely different. Certainly security was, was very different. How, from a, higher, from a hierarchy standpoint, from a key stakeholder, executive management standpoint, how much of a seat at the table should IT have, if not be the leader or one of the top seats at the table, in your opinion? Or does it matter? Or is it different from company to company? IT should, of course, rule the world, naturally. <laughs> yes. Uh, and they might, and we don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we should... I, I, I kind of see still see IT as, um, as a supporting role for, uh, for supporting business decisions. Uh, there, there is a place at the, at the board level, uh, management level where we need to be a part of the conversations for what they want to do. Uh, but, and this might be different depending on the industry, but in manufacturing, um, I, for, for my perspective, and I don't know if I'm short sighted here or whatever, my perspective is that we are an enabler of, of the business to, to get what they want to get done. Mm -hmm. Uh, we also have a place to, to, uh, 
toss ideas to the bring ideas to the table and say, hey guys, did you know that um, you know a lot of businesses are automating X Y Z different things, and uh, here's some cool ways that uh, we can do that. And um, so they absolutely need to be involved in the decisions. They should yeah, have a absolutely. seat at the table. They should. It shouldn't be a a top down. Hey, go make this happen. Or X Y Z person came in and and floated this idea by me. And uh, well, you know, we're just going to roll with it. So we need you guys to implement this. Yeah. Um, you definitely need to have a seat at the table. Um, where you can open people's minds to various different ways that things can be done um, yep. to help solve a problem. When you're sitting at that table, though, also you need to to not exactly have your engineer hat on of of like the nuts yes. and bolts of how something works, but you've got to put on, you know, I literally sit back and kick your feet up. Or this is mentally what I do: is sit back, kick my feet up, and think, okay, how you know, dream a little bit. And and in a perfect world, uh, if if all these normal things that are that I have every day that are my limitations, if those weren't in place, sometimes I try to say, if money wasn't a factor, you know, what would this look like? Mm. You know, lead, with, lead with this crazy, you know, Lamborghini option of, of maybe not the Lamborghini option, maybe lead with the Cadillac option. Uh, say, hey guys, this is what, this would be awesome if we could do this. Now I know we're a, we're a business and we're, we're in this to make money and uh, we, cost is a factor, but you got to start somewhere and start with what an awesome world would look like, and then uh, let the let the crazy money folks dial you back a little bit and say, "Now nah, listen." Yeah. Well, like, it's what the Cadillac would be for you. Okay, I have eight kids, for example. Right, I can't right. drive a lot of cars. There's a lot of cars. As much as I might like a Lamborghini, right. Right. I have to drive like a Chevy Express 3500 multiple passenger van. You know, now that's not to say that. I haven't ripped the rims off that thing on there, put like, you know, some charcoal black smoked rims on there, completely repainted the car, put, you know, a huge roof rack on top that can hold a ton of surfboards so that we can go to the beach. And every time someone sees my van, they're like, wow, that's a scary, uh, scary vehicle. Um, you know, with all the windows completely tinted and everything, and then a ton of kids roll out of it and people think you're crazy. Um, car situation, which may actually be, but that's a story for another time. So here's what, so you've been working on a, a big a big project. Why don't you just tell us on what that project? But I think what's more fascinating about this project is you have to travel around the world and speak to people um, in with a with a fairly significant language barrier. And you're talking technology, which is a language barrier to begin with. And I think that 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 itself is just fascinating and helps. Even going through that experience would probably help diffuse some or cure some of the, some of the engineering mindset. Um, so maybe just kind of give me a, a brief, what's the project you guys are working on right now? And then why does that, why is that leaving you traveling the world? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I, to me, it's a fun project. Um, so the, the end goal really is what, what I mentioned earlier of, of having a global ERP system for everybody to uh, all the sites to get to it. But uh, there's a couple of prerequisites before that. And number one is having this, this network that we've built with the, the MPLS and all of that. And that's cool. And, and that stage is basically done for us. Um, the next step that we're on right now is uh, a common security and account uh, structure. So what that means for us is uh, Windows AD and having a Microsoft Active Directory at all the sites and all of the 1,800 users around the world logging into the same common Microsoft domain. Um, so practically what that means is going around to 24 sites around the world and uh, taking the computers from whatever old state they're in. Um, uh, maybe they're on a domain, maybe they're in a work group, maybe they're who knows what, and, and getting them into um, 
you know, a common platform where everybody's doing things in the same way and in a, such a way that uh, they can be commonly managed so that we can provide some support to some of the smaller sites that don't have a local guy there. We can provide that support from the, the global IT team level. Now, of sure. course, then, then it gets down into the nitty gritty of, okay, uh, you know, that's, that's fine and easy for me here in the U.S. Uh, we've got two sites here in the U.S., fine, whatever, we'll go through and do that project. Then we get to other sites where uh, English is not the first language and, uh, we, and there's no real IT staff on site who is, uh, who's thinking about technology all the time. So we've got, we've got a site in Argentina that uh, is, is a bit smaller, but they do have some IT needs, and, and so we're working with these guys. Um, we, uh, the other one we did recently was uh, the China sites. That was, that was really interesting for me. Um, I got to be firsthand uh, physically going to China and working on, on the three sites that are there. Uh, it, it, uh, I Honestly, I had no idea what to expect going there. If, if Are all the ch- computers going to be in Chinese and I can't read anything? Uh, <laughs> uh, am I going to be able to, to do anything? So I, I really remember the first time I, I did a team viewer session into one of the computers there, and it's like, oh, thank goodness that they're, <laughs> they're in English yeah, uh, yeah. for the most part. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like... It's like uh, so when you go, so when you went, so you went to China, mm-hmm. um, was it more of an implementation thing? Was it a physical plug and play where we have to train people? Um, what was kind of like the, you get on a plane, you get off the plane. I mean, kind of walk me through that because yep. I'm sure everyone's wondering. Sure. So the general idea was all the computers there were on uh, an old, old windows domain of something or other. And, uh, we needed to convert them all and log them off of that domain and log them into the new domain. Mm-hmm. Easy as that sounds, uh, there is also the considerations of they have old servers that are on the old domain uh, and an old security structure, a folder structure of things, and NTFS permissions and other kinds of permissions that needed to be translated over into the new domain. So it's a combination of a lot of things. One is that we have to coordinate with all the users to say, hey, we're going to need to get on your computer for an hour at some point and do this migration uh, we, to, to do part of it, uh, working with the IT manager and IT staff who were there. Um, uh, fortunately the, the, the main IT manager in China has had very good English skills, but some of the other staff did not. Uh, and, and I found that everybody, everybody in China for the most part that we would interact with, um, they, they undervalued their own English skills where they, they, I would, I would kind of try to go up to people and, and, uh, and start speaking slowly in English because I think that. I was told that they did have some English skills. So I would say, you know, can I use your computer soon? And, and uh, sometimes they would be, sometimes the IT manager would kind of come in and, and say, no, 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 let me help you out and, and facilitate this conversation. But if I could get them alone, they, they would, it would, they would have to slow down a bit and, and listen carefully to what I'm saying. But when they actually spoke, they, their English was, was way better than, than their embarrassment level would, uh, would suggest they could, they could talk and I just had to slow my brain down a bit and tell them, tell them, take your time. It's fine. I, I, I would honestly, what I would say is your English is way better than my Chinese. I can say, <laughs> uh, yeah. like I've forgotten whatever I know, but, um, okay. slow down and talk to him a bit and, and it was just fine. So, um, at the end of the day that we were able to communicate enough to, to get her going. Now, sometimes it did get to a more complicated conversation, especially talking to some of the other IT staff. Uh, so in those situations, uh, Google translate actually came in really, really handy. I would bust that out on my phone, 
speaking English to it and then uh, kind of show them the phone and, and their eyes would light up. And, and uh, <laughs> It's amazing how well that it works. Is, isn't it wild? It, I mean, it really does work very, very well. It, it's, it's good enough to get by at least. And uh, It's a good thing I didn't have that in Spanish class. Spanish was my worst <laughs> language. And Spanish is really not that difficult compared to Chinese. I was terrible. Yeah. I, it, and I, I had a, yes, an absolute fear every time I had to speak in Spanish. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's, um, that's a great story. What was, what was it like just in general being over in China compared to here? I mean, it was, was this the first time you had been to China? It's the first time I'd been to China. I'd, I'd barely been out of the country of the U.S. here ever before that. And so um, it was really eye-opening to see just a different way of people living, um, really, really packed urban areas and uh, some really poor neighborhoods uh, with some really, really kind people and some really, really fancy neighborhoods, also with great people. Um, but we got to travel around the country a bit. We were there for three weeks and it was just an amazing experience. Nice, nice. Um, any good food while you were there? Did you have, uh, what, what was it like eating? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm told that in China they eat everything. So My brother has a hard time going to China. He needs, he's a, a, he just has all kinds of things that he cannot eat. And okay. he's like, I, I'm terrified every time I go there because I can't, because someone will put like a sea anemone in front of me and <laughs> yep. I cannot eat that. You, I, a lot of times you didn't know. There's a lot of uh, this thing called a hot pot where there's, uh, they give you, they bring raw meat out to the table and there's in the center, there's like this boiling soup type concoction and you're supposed to toss the meat and vegetables or whatever into <laughs> the soup thing and dig it out and not really sure what it is. I'm told that cow stomach was in there somewhere and uh, a lot of weird stuff, but um, my, my kind of motto was I'll try anything once and I, uh, <laughs> nice. I, I did that as far as until I got to like the, the squid eyeballs or something like that. That's great, man. Uh, uh, okay. So, I mean, I don't even know where to go from here. This has been, so, this has been such a great, uh, great show talking to you about this stuff. Um, so where, where are we at with the, with the rollout in, um, where, where are you at with the rollout right now? Are we done with yeah, this? Well, Got China behind us. Um, next up, uh, Malaysia and Vietnam are coming up soon. Um, I'm not sure how the if I'm going to be going to do that or if somebody else is going to do that site, but uh, we've got those. We've got Mexico and Argentina coming up soon. So I think we're like 75% done. And then, and then uh, we get to layer the ERP on top of that. Awesome. What, so just in general, you've been doing this stuff for a while. You've, you've done it on your own. You've done kind of like your own managed IT stuff. You've done consulting. Um, now, you're, now you're doing this. Of, from, from all of your experience in general, what's your best tricks or best practices or any type of advice that you could provide to the lowly help desk people out there that want to get to your level? Man, that's, that's um, going to burn me. I sound like such a, <laughs> I don't know why it sounds awful. Well, I guess that's what happens when you get to the top and everyone's going to be rolling. Oh, shut up. No, that's no, awful. That's no, awful. No, what, what, kind of, what kind of advice can we give to the lowly help desk people? Man, I got to so go back and I hate <laughs> help desk. Now that you say it back to me, it sounds awful. I just, no, no, no. You uh, said you were a lowly help desk person. That doesn't that's mean- That's right. All else. the other help desk people in the world are, are freaking amazing, but I was a lowly help desk guy. Yeah, <laughs> hey, we all got to start somewhere. You know, I was, my first job was, uh, was washing dishes and there's, you know- Dang uh, right. Then that restaurant burnt down to the ground. I was working <laughs> under the table, washing dishes, and I woke was up one morning. Was it your fault that it burnt down though, was it? No, it was not. It was actually like the Coke machine. There was like a, some sort of malfunction. But I remember my mom coming in and saying, hey, you don't have to go into work today. 
<laughs> and I went and the, the place seriously was burnt to the ground to a pile of rubble. So anyways, what's the, um, what's the advice? Yeah. Well, I mean, starting at the help desk and, and always thinking about the big picture about how, how your piece of the puzzle fits into something else. Uh, that, you know, if you're fixing a, fixing a printer problem, uh, it's, it, it fits into a bigger Bigger puzzle somehow is this, why is the system here? Why are we doing this? And uh, I guess here's a good question. When did you move up from, uh, I guess what happened, like, was there any major turning point or do you remember like, I don't know, getting promoted, uh, like, you know, moving to the next level or applying for another job or, I mean, what was it? Like, how did you make that? I guess, what was it? Was there any significant point in your career where you, you, where you remember making a jump and there was something that you can point to? For or me, just overall been, experience, you know. Yeah, there's never been like a like a major jump like that. It's and, and I've always worked for pretty small companies, uh, and and as a consultant working for for small companies as well. So I know that in some bigger companies you kind of are you're a tech level one, and then you get a promotion, and you're a tech two, and now you're an engineer, and now you're a whatever. In a lot of smaller or maybe mid sized companies, it's it's a lot more fluid than that. You're you you develop your skills, and and I think what happened with me was. As I, as I moved along, I started to have more of a, you know, taking that business mindset into, into account or like, how does this actually fit into the bigger puzzle? And, and I would start to find that uh, I would get questions from management about, you know, not just about how do I fix Excel from crashing, but then it's like, okay, well, how can we use this tool to, to accomplish this business goal? And I was like, oh, okay, well, let me step back and think about that a little bit. And yeah, that might uh, be the just... Yeah, be, be, being able to be open-minded, uh, more creative, and understand the business side really. Um, I mean, I would, it's not, it's not, it's not like you can just like go take a course or anything. I mean, I guess you could. I don't um, know. I don't know if that's what like a that's like an opening for like for us to put something together and, and make money. Go. Teach IT guys business acumen one hundred and one. Uh, but um, I mean, oh, actually, I do remember taking a business course when I was at Starbucks. They, uh, yeah, I remember they were teaching me. You know, like how to read a PNL, um, okay. you know, what flow through profit is, what's gross margin, what's this. So I think I might take for granted that I know all of this stuff and, and managed a, you know, a multi-million dollar store for years in retail, you know, but that experience alone pr- probably gave me a ton of business acumen that I didn't, yep. you know what I mean? That most people might not have, they might not know yep. how to read a PNL. So like that alone, um, is probably really valuable information for. I got to tell you, from where I'm at, I've I, I still don't know exactly what a PNL is, and I don't. Uh, some a lot of these, I don't think I ever. I don't. Maybe I'm fortunate that I don't have to see too many uh, financial documents and and uh, understand that stuff. It's really about how well, just knowing where IT fits on a profit yeah. and loss statement is IT a, is and right there we we always have this argument of is IT a cost center or not or is IT a business um, define define cost center. I've heard that so, tossed around a bit. So let's say if you're IT and you sit on the PL as like a, you know, pretty much like a controllable cost, right? Not a flexible cost. Let's say, you know, IT just sits as a controllable cost. There's a line item on there and IT gets $20,000 a year. And it's it, depending on where it sits on the PL. I never even thought about this. Actually, this is pretty mind blowing right now because I wonder where IT sits on a lot of people's PLs. Hmm. Um, depending on where it, 
it sits on a PL is how is really how accounting and how people view IT as well. And I would imagine most people see it as a controllable cost um, or like an operations type of cost that needs to be managed. And if that yeah. if line item gets too high or goes over budget, then now you're over budget. But mm-hmm. how does that one line item? Or how does IT or multiple line items, right? Because you've got servers depreciating costs. You've got all kinds of various different things that sit on the P&L. How do those line items affect the bottom line, the yeah. money coming in? Now, depend. so that's kind of where IT really can make a difference. And that's where you're saying people, depending on where they sit at the table and how they affect profit margins. You know, because realistically, if we're just looking at IT as a line item, as a budgeted cost, the truth is that, that line item and, and who you have in the seats and the, and the people on the bus, right, that line item can affect so many other line items, right? You can Absolutely. make one change in IT and all of a sudden you freed up, um, you, you freed up a huge controllable cost, labor, which is probably one of the biggest costs on any profit, on, on any P&L, right, is how much we pay for labor, how, how much do we pay our employees, right, and, and how effective are they. And if you've got hourly employees, then it's definitely a huge, uh, definitely a huge line item. Um, so IT can make a few changes that affect labor, right? IT can make a few changes that might affect uh, numerous different things, even yeah. you know, electricity, for example, right? We don't have a ton of servers like eating up XYZ anymore. Yep. Um, so there's, I mean, so many things that IT can, uh, that so many different line items on a P&L that IT can um, uh, affect or effect here. And here I'm, I'm an English major. I should probably be using the right <laughs> version. On, know this stuff. Yeah. So I'm just, that's, I think that that's where if, if IT guys can kind of grasp that understanding and really start to, you know, affect positive change um, from a business standpoint, that, that kind of, that change or that mindset can really make someone very, very valuable. Yep. Yep. The, there's, when, when you're working at the, at the board level or at some kind of a management level and you're a part of those conversations, small changes in the way that, the way that IT um, you know, helps the business run can really, there's a lot of leverage at that point. And so there, there's a lot of uh, cost that can be saved or even profit that can be earned at, uh, by making some small IT changes. So a smart guy who is sitting at the table and says, you know, hey guys, we've been doing things this way for a long time. There's, uh, there's a better way to do it, whether it's a new technology that we're looking at or, hey, we've got three sites. Why don't we network things together and have one common system to run everything instead of paying for three different systems or improve our licensing or whatever. Uh, having an understanding of how the business works and then having an understanding of how technology can solve some of these problems, uh, you can really become a valuable piece of the puzzle. Yes. Now, here's the thing, and this is, this is where we get real deep about it. This may sound very exciting to a lot of people out there. This may sound like, yes, you know, IT's, like you said, going to change the world, going to take over and do all this. But here's the thing that people need to be ready for. They need to be ready with the responsibility that comes with that. Because once so what you, you're saying is that, that uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Is that what you're saying? Yes. But even deeper <laughs> than that, I, a stress and responsibility. In other words, if you're going to say that something can do this and IT is great and technology can fix this and technology can drive the business forward, then you need to be willing to shoulder the numbers. In other words, you need to be willing to say, not only do I believe that this will make it better, I can prove it. And you can even, you know, um, 
uh, throw an MBO together, management by business objectives, right? Mm -hmm. You can even pay me based on it. Yeah. So that's where someone, that's where an IT manager can really leverage. And that's where I think someone can go to the table and say, look, you're paying me X, Y, Z right now. Um, this is what I think we can do. This is how much it's going to cost. And this is how it's going to benefit the company. And I can make it happen and you don't have to pay me until I do make it happen. Hmm. So, or at least have, you know, like a professional, a lot of people have, have MBOs, management by business objectives, or they have different um, numbers attached to their job, you know, bonus, basically a bonus structure. Yep. Yep. Um, so I think that that's something that IT directors can learn and understand like, wait a second, I can have a bonus structure based on how I drive the business forward. And I think that that's going to be, um, I think you're going to see a lot more of that uh, in the future. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, hey, yeah, this has been uh, been a great show, man. Uh, thanks for being on. Really, yeah, it's great it. to great to be here. I love the show. And uh, if you, you know, I don't, I'd love to travel over to China sometime. Just uh, just let me come over and, and watch. I'll just pay for the plane ticket. Let me know. I'll stick you in my suitcase. It'll be great. <laughs> okay. Hey, John, man. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Have a great day. Yep. You too. Thanks. <laughs>